Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, episode 50. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 50, oh my God, of the podcast. So I was, uh, this time last year, like still, I think, thinking and dreaming about a podcast, and look at this. So look at this, like almost a year later, we got 50 episodes under our belt, and we got tons of people who listen to us. And if you like us, my friends, go leave us a five-star review. It super helps the algorithm. Absolutely helps the algorithm. And then the other thing that I want to say is, you know, we do these podcast episodes live on the Proofing Box. So hello to people who are watching us on the Proofing Box. And then I do office hours after um, we do the podcast episode. But I'm in the middle of planning for what I'm talking about in Q4, and I have a whole bunch of things planned. But if you have specific questions that you want me to address in a podcast, post it on the proofing box, and I will um, I will make a whole podcast out of it if it's like a podcast episode. If I get a bunch of questions, I might do a Q&A as one of the podcasts. But there are so many topics out there, and I, I know I cover a lot of stuff, and I'm like the only person out there that covers food safety coaching because, as I'm fond of saying, somebody has to. <laughs> uh, but don't worry, I actually have uh, plenty of plenty of solutions for that because I'm going to start training coaches. So stay tuned. Uh, I am going to workshop that with a friend of mine next week, and uh, food safety coach training is coming in Q1 of next year. So you can have somebody like me in your facility trained by me with access to me uh, and I think this is really going to move the ball down the field I am super excited about it so we started those conversations in uh, my office today so that's pretty awesome so what else is going on? I have been traveling most of September. I've been spending time with my coaches and uh, really thinking deeply about community and how to create community. And I have some great things rolling out. I mean, like training coaches is part of <laughs> is part of that. And what does community mean to my customers? What does community mean to all of y'all? And so we are uh, diving into that sort of thing. So this week, I uh, I know I didn't post an event uh, for reporting the podcast. It's because I was traveling. Next week, I am also traveling, so I'm not sure what time I'm going to be recording the podcast. It will be on Thursday. It will probably be in the afternoon because I have to make an impromptu trip to Montreal, as one does. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so stay tuned. Uh, I know I try and post events for this, but I don't always. I don't always get there. So. Um, uh, if you are interested um, in watching the recordings uh, and coming and participating in office hours, go do a search for The Proofing Box on Facebook, and we would love to have you. We have some good discussions that get going, and I super appreciate everybody here. So 
With that said, I'm covering chemical hygiene plans, and I actually think it's kind of funny because today in preventive controls class, so I teach an online preventive controls class, let us know if you're interested in that, by the way, <laughs> uh, we were doing chemical and physical hazards. And chemical hazards, you know, I, I, this is one of these things that are kind of super hard to, super hard to teach sometimes because... I'm, I've spent so much time in chemistry class, people, I cannot even begin to tell you. There was one year um, when I decided I was going to become a veterinarian where I went and I did eight credits of freshman chemistry in eight weeks, in eight weeks at Harvard Extension School. I did chemistry literally 90 hours a week. It was bananas. I ate and slept and drank and breathed chemistry. And so when it comes to chemical hygiene planning and, um, and, and chemical hazards and talking about chemicals in our food, I have such totally different perspective than so many people. And a lot of my perspective comes from the idea that the dose makes the poison. And when the dose makes the poison, um, that brings up all sorts of things. And that is very true for an awful lot of chemical hazards. But it is not true for the biggest chemical hazard. Okay, so we're talking chemical hygiene planning today. And that is all about making chemical hazards not reasonably likely to occur. However, there is one chemical hazard that chemical hygiene programming has absolutely nothing to do with. And that is allergens, okay? Dealing with allergens in your plant is something completely different. If you are a FDA-registered plant or an FDA-regulated plant under FDA jurisdiction, your allergen control comes under an allergen preventive control plan. Okay, if you are USDA, all right, you have an allergen control plan. That's how you deal with that. Allergens are the leading reason we have recalls, so people doing their allergen planning badly, leading reason we have recalls, okay? I'm not talking about that on this podcast. I, on this podcast, I'm talking about all the other kinds of chemicals, mostly specifically associated with cleaning, okay? Because there are other chemicals that we use. All, you might, all my charcuterie makers out there, you guys are using nitrate and nitrite. Those we use under critical control points in your HACCP plan, but we store them under your chemical hygiene plan. Folks, nitrates, nitrites, those are chemicals. OSHA con considers those to be chemicals, and if you use those in your facility, you must store them in a way that uh, they will be safe and the people who are using them will also be safe. Now, these are very inert chemicals. It's not that big of a deal, but you still have to have all of the things in place for you to be able to, uh, to, to, to be safe around the chemicals. And that's incredibly important. So that's what we're covering today. So if you do use chemicals in your food, preservatives, and that sort of thing, they will not be used under, they'll be used under like a CCP or, or, a, or a process preventive control, but they will be stored under your chemical hygiene plan. Hence the reason we're doing a uh, podcast episode on chemical hygiene planning. So what do I mean when I say chemical hygiene plans? These are, these are the, the, the plans. It's a whole program. So of course, programs are made up usually of standard operating procedures. They are made up of logs or registers. They're made up of other documentation. 
And, and a chemical hygiene plan is no different. We tend to call it a chemical hygiene plan. It comes over from the laboratory world. Uh, but a chemical hygiene plan or a chem chemical hygiene program make most chemical hazards, again, not allergens, not reasonably likely to occur because they help you keep track of your chemicals, right? And they keep your workers safe. So your chemical hygiene plan, and I'm gonna go over the procedure kind of like as we have it written in the SOP that I give my clients, but you're gonna have an SOP. You have something that um, we call SDSs or safety data sheets. So I'm gonna go over what those are. And those need to be stored where the chemicals are actually used. You have, somebody needs to be in charge of the chemical hygiene plan. Okay, so that is of, of superlative importance is somebody who knows what they are, uh, what they are doing when it comes to chemicals. Okay, you need to uh, do annual reviews of your chemical hygiene programming or planning. Most people agree you need personal protective equipment. Okay, now if you're measuring out nitrites, do you need safety glasses to measure out nitrites? I'm not really 100% sure the answer is yes, uh, but you will definitely need monitoring documentation and you will probably need dilution monitoring documentation for your sanitary control procedures in fisheries, your sanitation preventive controls in FDA, and your sanitation SOPs in USDA. If that all sounds confusing, that's because it is, uh, okay? This is all basically the same thing. I kid you not, I provide the exact same documentation to my fisheries folks, to my FDA folks, like my like non-fisheries FDA folks, and my USDA folks. It's called something different depending on which law we're conforming to. It is ludicrously stupid, but I didn't write the laws, right? All right, and then the other big thing is training. So this is training. Maybe one of the things that you wanna do is have your uh, folks listen to this podcast where they will um, get chemical hygiene training. Now, I'm not giving training on specific chemicals, okay? Uh, that is something that, that is something that um, somebody has to do like in your facility. All right. So we're talking about the general, um, uh, the general ideas around chemical hygiene plans and chemical hygiene programs. Okay. So here's what, here's what you like really kind of, here, here's the procedure around getting a chemical hygiene plan or program. The first thing that you have to do is you have to appoint somebody who's going to be in charge of it. All right. And we call that person the chemical hygiene officer. All right. The chemical hygiene officer is the first person you're going to train. There's tons of training out there. You're more than welcome to come on to the proofing box and, and, and ask uh, more questions, get more training. And it's that chemical hygiene officer who is going to, um, He's going to uh, uh, write the SOP <laughs> and implement the plan and implement the program and make sure everything, verify and validate and make sure it's all working, okay? So chemical hygiene falls into four categories as I, you know, write chemical hygiene programs for my clients. And these four, these four, uh, the chemical hygiene control, these four categories are designed to create the conditions where the chemical hygiene actually occurs, okay? So your chemical hygiene actually occurs under the standard operating procedure, 
Okay, so you have to have a good, clear standard operating procedure. Chemical hygiene has control via personal protective equipment or PPE, all right? So face masks, goggles, uh, gloves, gloves, very popular, jackets, that sort of thing, all right? There are administrative controls for chemical hygiene plans, and then there are trading. So let's go through those one by one. So what is an SOP control? SOP control means that you are documenting how you are using chemicals, okay? So all of your chemicals need to be used under an SOP. Like you need to know where you list out all your chemicals. That goes in your SOP, <laughs> okay? What is the, you have to understand and control the documentation associated with your chemical hygiene plan. That's, that's all that the SOP does. Literally, the, I'm, I'm reading to you from the SOP that we have, and it, like your SOP controls the procedure. Next, PPE control. So when it's, when it's required, you have to use all of your chemicals with proper personal protective equipment, okay? If you are using personal protective equipment, employees need to be trained on the use of personal protective equipment, okay? It is not enough to throw some glasses at somebody and say, here's your PPE, okay? You have to train them on how to use those glasses. You have to train them on how to use their gloves. All right, now, you guys are probably not using respirators. You're not using complicated PPE. It doesn't matter. People still need to be trained. They need to be trained that when they're using chemicals, they can't rub their eyes. Uh, all right. Uh, administrative controls. What the heck do I mean by administrative controls? So administrative controls is actually the utilization of your chemicals register, okay? Your chemical register is a document you make it you make it in excel in google spreadsheets it can be a, a regular old google doc where it lists this is going to be really crazy people the chemical name and the common name for the chemical if if you need it so you know uh clorox is a brand name bleach is the trade name for the chemical and hypochlorous acid is actually the chemical name you don't have to go that deep into it it doesn't really matter but um you know you you're gonna want to name what the chemical is and kind of what it's used for okay so you're you're um you're going to have like a trade name for your soap. Write that it's soap next to it because it's not obvious. For somebody new, it's not obvious. Whatever, you know, Sanidate is your soap, for heaven's sakes. Nobody's, nobody's bored knowing that. Um, and so I am, just for those of you who are listening, if you're not watching, you can see I have my kids just got home from school. And so I'm trying to record a podcast and mom at the same time. Totally awesome. So anyway, so if you hear some noise in the background, it's the kiddos who have gotten home from school. All right. So um, you want to be able to, so this chemical register, the idea is to help you keep track of chemicals and to help people understand what chemicals are where. Okay. You want to list what standard operating procedure the chemical is associated with, production, sanitation, uh, you know, like, what else would it be? Production and sanitation, probably it. Um, what SOP is it used under? What container the chemical should be stored in, okay? So if you use Cure 1 and Cure 2, people, 
I know they're most of the time they're different colors, but not all of the time. Please store them in separately colored containers. Just get a the Tupperware container, you know, and you put the the cure number one or the pink salt in like a clear one, and you put the the cure two preg powder number two put that in a blue one or a black one or something that's a different color. That is a visual process control. Visual process controls, of course, help um, people understand what they are doing. Okay. So now this chemical register also has to have a copy of the label, name, concentration, date that the chemical was mixed and open, and the initials. Okay, so if you are taking a bleach solution and putting it into a spray bottle, that spray bottle has to be labeled, okay? Because those things don't last forever. Name of the solution, how much, like, how many parts per million? Is it 200 parts per million bleach solution or 400 parts per million bleach solution? Makes a really big difference, my friends. One is food safe. One is not food safe, okay? What date is it mixed? Chemicals degrade in the presence of light and air. And who mixed it? All right. This is not optional, my friends. I always, I, I feel like always writing people up on audits when they don't have this stuff done. This is the low-hanging fruit of food safety. Okay. So then the other thing that's super important is that you have an updated current filed material safety data sheet or safety data sheet. All right. If you have chemicals in your facility, OSHA dictates, so I guess this is all for my American listeners, OSHA dictates that you have a safety data sheet. They also dictate that that safety data sheet be stored where the chemicals are used, okay? Because if you're using, you know, soap to clean and stuff like that, having your safety data sheet up in a locked office when somebody gets a splash bag not particularly helpful, okay? You're going to have to call and do, you know, call poison control or take people to the emergency room. You need those safety data sheets where, available where you use the chemicals or they're not particularly helpful. Okay, training controls. So train your employees on chemical hygiene. And I mean all your employees. I mean your office workers too. Because if somebody gets a chemical splash, uh, it's going to be the office worker that's probably taking care of it. They need to know where the MSDSs are, right? So train is, guys, this is like an hour of training. Uh, train everybody in, 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 in chemical hygiene, okay? Talk to them about what the chemicals are used for, where, like what the MSDS says, where the MSDSs are stored, what the labels should look like. Another reason to train everybody is because I hope after our internal audits podcast, you are having varying people doing your internal audits, okay? And if you train them on chemical, if you train the office workers on chemical hygiene, they can go do chemical hygiene audits. It's one of the best things you can do to keep your workers safe, okay? You, you, so continuing, you train everybody in safe practices with the chemicals, including the personal protective equipment. You show everybody the entry in the chemicals register, and then you do it once a year and you document it. We always document training. All you have to do is like write a piece of paper, you know, what program you're training on, who's doing the training, date, time, and have everybody sign in, and then everybody gets a photocopy in their HR file. It truly is that easy. 
It really is that easy. Like, and, and what I want to talk about next is kind of something that I talked about last time, which is behaviors and beliefs, right? So it's super easy to skip over chemical hygiene programs. You all know how you use the soap. You know how you use the sanitizer. You would never mix the two up. You would never, you know, mix your quaternary ammonia with your bleach because that never happens in facilities, right? Nobody, nobody ever accidentally makes mustard gas. My friends, I go into a lot of facilities, okay? And I want you to just try the hat on that doing the behaviors of chemical hygiene planning is behaviors worth doing, all right? And, and getting your registers together and your SDS sheets together. What if this is the key to changing everything about your food safety culture, okay? Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if you can show up to chemical hygiene planning, you can show up to anything, all right? Chemical hygiene planning is boring, okay? It involves, well, chemicals. And a lot, I mean, you know, like most paperwork, nobody got into food production because they are naturally brilliant chemists. People who are naturally brilliant chemists went into, like, chemical engineering, okay? People think that it's hard, it's overwhelming, and there are lots of little pieces to keep together. Those are all thoughts. Okay, and those are not thoughts that you have to think. You can think that I could totally do chemical hygiene programming. I can protect my workers. I can protect myself through chemical hygiene programming. And it's, I, I mean, like, that is a really more empowering thought than, oh, my God, I'm never going to do this. Okay. You're in the exact right place for what you're doing. Chem and, and, and I don't want you to beat yourself up if you've never done your chemical hygiene programming. It's fine. All right. Now's the time to change that and to bring about a new dawn, if you will, in your food safety culture by showing up to the behaviors of doing your chemical hygiene programming and letting that change your life. That's what I mean when I talk about this could be the one thing that changes everything because you can let your behaviors when you're following your food safety behaviors change your life, okay? Create the result that you want. Know that you might not know how to do it right now, but know that you won't give up on figuring it out. That's how we do it around here. So that's the podcast for today. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. If you want to take the work deeper, we're here at the Power Group. You can always just, you know, like come on over and give us a call. We love to talk to people. We talk to people every week about joining the Power Group. And we take all of this stuff, we take it deeper. And we, we workshop it. I think we're doing chemical hygiene programming in December um, along with setting impossible goals. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you all under the guidance of a food safety expert.